Welcome to the UK Educators Community Podcast hosted by Sid, an outstanding woman in STEM award winner, serial entrepreneur and educational consultant. Now, my vision is to make maximum impact in the world through education, but I know I can't do this alone. So this is where you guys come in. Why don't you join me on this journey as we as educators and entrepreneurs create impact one child at a time? Join my Facebook group at UK Educators or find some great resources on my website at ukeducators.com. My name is Sam Moynet, I'm founder of Student Breakthrough. I help anxious students you know, overcome their challenges so they can live a life of confidence. And I train inspirational people to do the same. I'm a teacher, a speaker, and a student coach. And my journey, it did begin in education, really this whole story, but it's important for my journey. I never wanted to be a teacher. I just want to stress that. I never was, the, the student was like, I'm going to be a teacher when I'm older. What I wanted to do is be a soldier and join the British Army. And uh, my dad was a Royal Marine, he fought in the Falklands, and. I remember being 10 years old and looking up to my dad and being like, I want to be him. Uh, And I achieved my dream, Sid, in in 2012. I got accepted into the Royal Anglian Regiment. My life was made up. I was so happy I'd achieved it. But life threw me a curveball and I got diagnosed, unfortunately, with, well, actually quite fortunately now, but I got diagnosed with Crohn's disease. It obviously really knocked me in 2012. Like really just threw me totally sideways. It caused me lots of challenges in my mental health, mainly like anxiety and, and just overthinking and worry really. As a result of getting Crohn's, it, it led me into teaching. So I loved history as a subject. My mum was a primary school teacher. So I thought, what else can I do? I'll go and be, become a teacher. I, I liked it, but I didn't love it at the start, especially. And it started to unravel for me and I just didn't feel happy in the classroom. I felt like a victim, felt like I, I, I didn't belong there because I wanted to go and be a soldier. And my mental health really struggled in that first year of teaching. You know, I'd sometimes be really emotional in front of my classes. I wouldn't want to get out of bed. I wouldn't want to go to school. It led me though to find coaching. And on the 23rd of April, 2015, I had my first coaching session, which was the first time as a young man, I, I talked about my problems and what was going on for me and how I felt. And that's so powerful because that isn't done enough. Oh no, well not, not till I, to that point, I never, I've kind of been pulling my socks up, manning up and just been getting on with it. The 23rd of April, 2015, right? That date is cemented in my brain because it was a transformational conversation experience for me. Do you want to share with us how how you felt on the day? Like, what was it like keeping all of that inside of you for such a long time to then finally release it? What was it that made it so transformational? I think, again, as a guy, I'd been bottling this stuff up. This is probably two years after I'd been diagnosed with Crohn's disease and subsequently failed the army medical exam. My dad wasn't proud of me. He didn't love me. I haven't achieved my dream. I've let people down. And it was like, you know, that classic, I don't know what a pressure cooker is, but we always talk about pressure cookers, right? And it was like this pressure cooker inside me building up. And for the first time I had the space in a non-judgmental way to, to share how I felt as a guy, which I still think is something that's, you, you've nailed it. It's something that wasn't, it's not really done no. still. And there's stigma around it, but this was just a half an hour conversation on the phone with a coach who was asking me some powerful questions. Initially, I was just sobbing uncontrollably on this call. And I found out lots of things. You know, I found out that it was so great to express and not suppress. It's one of my key messages at Student Breakthrough to get people to express and not hold in what's going on for them. I learned that being diagnosed with Crohn's was, it was a blessing. It was meant for me. And that's exciting, right? Really exciting for the first time. And the last thing I learned a bit later was that coaching and this support needs to be in schools. So those are my big three takeaways that made it, you know, super transformational. It was a great day. An emotional day, but a great day. And I think um, there's some key messages that you mentioned there. The fact that it's not done. You are now doing something that you probably needed 
growing up and even as a teacher you needed that support and you've talked about how you felt like other people were disappointed with you how much of that was in your head how much like when did you come to the realization that that was just what you were thinking and not the reality that other people weren't actually viewing you like that until we've opened up and talked we we treat our our thinking as reality we treat our story as fact which is yeah. totally incorrect because i've come to learn that our thoughts are reality you know we can't control our thinking we can control how we respond to our thinking you know, we have 80,000 thoughts a day. I actually found out the other day we make 35,000 decisions a day. I know, two decisions it's a second or something. really nicely with um, what James was talking about in the last episode. So when someone's talking to you, you're unconsciously like doing stuff in your mind that you don't even realize you're doing it. And that's all of your unresolved issues kind of coming into play. So when you do actually say something, your thoughts and your thinking and your actions are based on your past. And there's very little that you can do to control that unless you've kind of faced the past and faced the trauma of the past. And I think that's really powerful. And the fact that you've said that you now view Crohn's disease as a blessing. And a lot of people, it's a mindset thing, isn't it? A lot of people go down over little things and even big things and just turning it around and actually going, right, that's not going to stop me. I'm still going to achieve something in my life. It might not be what I initially intended, but I can make a difference, right? And I think that's what you've done. Well, it was actually just being a victim. It was being a a victim for a while. Now, let's be honest, like being diagnosed with Crohn's disease and having your dream technically destroyed, I I was allowed to beat myself up. I was allowed to feel sorry for myself. I totally get that. But it ebbed into my teaching career at the start when I just felt like a victim. And if, if someone from the army had knocked on my door in the classroom, I would have booted down the door, ran out the classroom and said, see you later, kids, I'm out of here, right? And I wasn't serving the students to the best of my ability because I was in this victim mentality. I was in this space of anxiety, worry, stress, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. And I wasn't present and I wasn't delivering my very best to these, these students. And it was only after this coaching conversation that I realized who I had to become, right, to have an impact on young people and to be the teacher that I wanted to be. And also the human being that I wanted to be, right? Forget teaching. Like, who am I going to be to step up now and actually own this and not push it away? Yeah, I think that's really powerful. And the other thing that we were talking about is that when we are thinking, we make our thinking our reality. And you almost need a second person, a coach, a mentor, a business partner, whoever it is. You need someone to kind of go, right, you're going a bit away from the direction that you should be taking. And you're thinking things that aren't real and or or you're focusing on things that you shouldn't be focusing on because it's making you feel unhappy. So who has been your kind of key mentor? Because I know you've spoken about your coach being someone significant that had that impact in your life. And you had your dad as your role model and your mum as a role model as a teacher. Who has been consistently your role model since you started your business and you've been going through um, the last couple of years doing it? That's a big quite, I think you've mentioned quite a few people there. I think every single person has something to offer on our journey and to be fair as well mentors by the way just to make it clear mentors don't have to be someone you know like I see mentors as like people I read you know you read that book and you really connect with that that person in this book and they can be they can be your mentors as well I think for me like I've had my same coach now for like two years if you need a coach his name is Raghav Parker she's amazing and I don't need someone Sid who's there to, to make me achieve more now you might be thinking well surely a mentor should help you achieve more or a coach should help you achieve more I'm like you right I'm so driven for this I don't, I don't need someone to tell me take action I don't need someone to like kind of hit me with a stick. I need someone to actually tell me to slow down and to slow down, to speed up. 
which actually means giving yourself some more self-care, some more, some more love, some more kindness. You get so excited about ideas. <laughs> well, we're the same. Like we're, and that's the, that's the downside of being this sort of, I guess, entrepreneurial mindset. I know you're the same. It's like, oh my God, this is amazing. Let's go and do this. Oh no, wait, like, let's go and do this. Oh, and I think it takes a while in the journey to realize that you've got to stick, maybe not just on one thing, but you've got to stick to a couple of things and just mm. you know, own that and, and dominate that. So yeah, I think my coach has really helped me. And that's why I love coaching because it, it doesn't mean anything's wrong with you. Mental health support doesn't have to be dark, gloomy and scary. It can be positive. It can be proactive. It can be action orientated. And that's, that's why coaching, I believe, is going to change education and the way that we help support students in schools. And it's interesting that recently I do a lot of one-to-one and I've realized the relationship that I have with my students isn't really a typical kind of tutoring relationship. I am actually coaching the kids. I'm showing them how to be more organized. I'm showing them how to think more positively. I'm showing them how to develop their skills. And I think if we took teaching to that level of it being more coach orientated, we would achieve so much more in the classroom. Is that something oh, that you struggle yeah, with? Yeah, massively so. The problem is, and I'm going to, it's, it's the, the system at the moment that we have in place does not support that coaching model. To be fair, I've trained a whole year team this year for the first time, a whole year seven form team in the student breakthrough coaching methods. So we're kind of building a coaching culture in school. But, you know, you've been a teacher, I've been a teacher for five years. The time to, to do stuff and to fit it in and, and, and to give that approach can be a challenge. But I know I had an impact on those teachers. And if they can go away and have and ask some powerful questions and listen to a student a bit deeper and, and help them with on a tool or an exercise that I showed them, then you know what? It's to win but unfortunately it has to come to an extent very heavily from the top down it has to be woven into the system rather than an add-on and i think a lot of these things like growth mindset is a big thing i'm a big believer on that and that was really pushed in schools a couple of years ago um, <laughs> and i think at the moment coaching and mental health is being pushed but they're an add-on and not woven into the actual system and i think until it gets woven into the system we're not going to see that drastic impact. We are still going to be able to have an impact, but not as big a scale as we could have done. So tell us about some of the work that you're doing, because you do a lot of work going into schools, not just working directly with the kids, but also working with the teachers. So what is the type of work that you're currently doing or have done over the last 12 months? So traditionally, I was going in and, and coaching students one-on-one. And if you don't know what coaching is, it's a bit similar to counselling, the fact you're asking powerful questions, but it's different in the fact that it's, it's positive, it's proactive, and it's action orientated. It's so focused on the student. Counseling traditionally, I'm going to be like, I'm going to say something here, but it's traditionally someone, you know, an older person that's been in the school for like 20 years in a pokey little office. There's not much action going on with that. And also, many students can't access that type of support. I mean, this is what I mean. Some students don't need to talk about the past, they just want to like share a bit and, and get moving forward. Mm-hmm. So, it's one on one student coaching using our 3B program, Boost, Believe, and Breakthrough. And alongside that, we run workshops for for groups of students. So I've been driving down to Lucky One School still wanted me in face-to-face. That stopped obviously now till when was the last session? December time, last week of school. You know, driving down and running workshops for year 12 students. Um, again, giving them just, just some confidence and some self-belief and some self-esteem, but again, using the program that I've created. And then alongside that, again, I was meant to be in, I was meant to be in a school in Romford today, delivering a, a keynote to loads of year 11s. The talk was called Do What You Said You Would. So basically helping students to follow through on their word, become leaders for their lives. So also alongside that, I train teachers and really passionate people to become student coaches so that they can help uh, students with their mental health and also making a side income and a side business for themselves. Have you done anything like that online where you've done uh, big events with your 11s, with your 12s online? Yeah, I've got 
a school in Milk Keynes. We're signing up for so six workshops being run with 40 students. I did a talk for Lancaster Union, I think October, November. We had again like 100 people on there. Did a talk for an Indian university, which is really like an international talk was so good. I know it wasn't in India, right? But it was still a big, big deal. And the Indian students were like, the engagement was next level on that talk. They were like fully in commenting loads, like asking questions, sharing. It was really, really cool. So yeah, it can still work. And to be fair, we have to get the support out somewhere, somehow. And obviously we can't do it face to face, you know. at the moment where now the year 11 exams are cancelled, there's obviously going to be a lot of stress and anxiety around uh, uh, how they're going to be judged and marked and how they're going to be assessed. So what are some of the top tips that you could give educators that are currently working with students that are going through this patch of anxiety, especially year 11s and other exam exam-based students imagine preparing for something for practically your whole secondary life because the GCSEs are the ultimate of what you're trying to achieve and then having that taken away it's like basically what you went through having your life kind of being reassessed kind of oh I can't do that now and if you didn't get on with your teacher being worried about how the teacher's going to assess you and whether that's going to work in your favor or not and that can cause a lot of anxiety so what are your kind of top tips for people working with students that are there at that point okay top three tips i'll give you the top three so i'll give you some i'll give you the basic coaching skills that i give to every single teacher okay so the breakthrough breakthrough coaching basics uh the biggest one that everyone should be doing more of and imagine if the world did this every single person if we started listening to understand not just listening to reply now when i was teaching and i before i'd become a coach and, and learn all this stuff you know i didn't really listen to my students and it's amazing if we actually listen to our students they have so much to say and it's probably why in your tutoring sessions, you're with them more kind of one-on-one and they're more willing to share, but you're also like listening, being a heart with ears, we call it, right? Listening with your heart. We're so quick to, to reply and just think, well, what can I say just to get this person off my back or get the conversation moving forward? We're never really, I call it breakthrough listening, like listening with our heart, okay? So my first tip is to really listen to your students. And it's so simple, but just start listening with empathy. Tip two, I'd say is ask some more great, powerful questions. That's why teachers who become coaches are great because they're so fantastic at asking powerful questions. But unfortunately, when a student comes with a, with, with a challenge or some like a struggle, and I, th- I see parents do it lots of as well, very quick to give our advice and then that's it. This is what's happened to me. This is how it can help you, which is good. I understand that. But it actually, if we, if we, again, if we listen with our with our heart with ears and we ask a powerful question, like with starting with what, how and why, the student can start to learn a little bit more for themselves and take ownership of that the listening and questioning if we all did that a little bit more and it's questioning to get them to give you the solution or to get them to give you the steps they're going to take rather than telling them because that's what coaching is I think that's the difference between teaching and coaching yeah, teaching yeah. we're imparting knowledge we're telling them coaching we're actually getting them to come up with the solution aren't we and that's the last question I'd ask is it's very action orientated so unlike counseling which is very much like talk 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 and that's cool right it's still going to offload stuff but coaching is talk 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 what are you going to do right now I've asked six-year-olds in our primary school breakthrough program like what do you want to do this week and every student actually you know when we start the course always says you know I don't know because they've never been asked what do you want to do this week when they have ownership on that they become leaders for their lives because they're taking like responsibility for the first time so big three things listen heart with ears ask great questions and also follow that up with well what can you do right now to move yourself forward what action steps do you want to take all right and it could be some self-care it could be researching that college course you know to get them more some more clarity or certainty on maybe what they want to do but when it comes from them 
they're more likely to execute it. And do you think this works for whatever age group? So you could have a four-year-old, you could have an 18-year-old, you could have adults. Does it work across a spectrum? Yes. When our student breakthrough program, we call it the three A's. So in coaching, we have great awareness. That's the first step. I might become more aware of what I need to do to gain confidence. Then we have action. So going away and doing something different. And then we have accountability, holding yourself accountable to follow through. And obviously the coach is there with accountability too. Now it's not all the, all the time. Generally, the younger the student, they've always got great awareness, but will they go away and take action? That can be the clincher. But, you know, to be fair, an action step, I was working with a lad who is school refusing, super anxious, you know, doesn't really leave the house. This is pre-lockdown anyway. And his action step, he put a picture of a monkey on his, on his phone home screen. And that was purely that he came up with that. And it was purely to link to a metaphor that he was calling himself a hibernating bear, right? Like taking himself and sticking on the Xbox and that was it. And we did some coaching around thinking and, and the impacts of our thinking. And I said, like, what's the opposite of a hibernating bear? And he's like, I think it's a monkey, Sam. I'm like, cool. So like, what would change if you're a monkey? He'd be like, well, I'll be getting off my Xbox. I'll be like speaking to my mum and dad. I'll be, you know, he wouldn't even go to family like meal times. And he's starting to do that. And it's that reminder, but it's come from him. It's not like me saying, well, like, hey, Archie, why don't you put a picture of a monkey on your phone screen and stop going on the Xbox? That would have been wasteful. And you would have been like, you would have turned off. But in fact, it's switching students on that they have everything in their power to change themselves. And it stops them from rebelling as well, right? Because you tell them something to do straight out, they're going to be like, I don't want to do that. They want to do the opposite of what you're telling them to do because they're always being told what to do, right? So have you got any particular stories that are really powerful that you want to share that kind of showed that in action where you've seen that progress happen and it's been such a fundamental change in the kids? Yeah, I'll share. It's quite an emotional story. So about 18 months ago, I started working with a guy. He was now basically a friend and he, he speaks at my events, but uh, it was a really powerful session. Basically, I met this guy in a coffee shop and his mum and dad turned up together, which is a little bit strange. This is pre-COVID, obviously, because usually the student, he was 16, he just rocks up. No, he's 15 at the time, rocks up and the mum and dad go. But anyway, the mum and dad turn up together, which I was a bit strange about. And they went and spoke to me before. And they're both sobbing uncontrollably in this coffee shop, the mum and dad. And obviously asked them what's going on. And they say that this student actually tried to take their own life that morning. Um, and when I say take their own life, I mean, imagine being 15 years old, walking to school, but taking a different route because you were so down, so lost, and you end up standing on top of a bridge and texting your mum that this is it, like, I'm sorry, but I can't cope. And that, that, was, that was the morning of this, of this session. And the mum and dad shared this with me. And I'm like about to go into this coaching session with this lad. I'm like literally shocked. So we sit down together and we don't really talk for a while. We sit opposite each other in Costa Coffee um, in Milton Keynes. And eventually we start talking. He starts opening up about how he's feeling and, and what's going on. And in that session, we did loads of work on forgiveness. And I asked him to write a forgiveness letter to himself because until we can forgive, then we can't really accept the situation and then start loving ourselves again. I, I was so grateful, obviously, he didn't, he didn't take the final step, let's say, in that morning. Obviously, that would have been tragic. But we wrote this forgiveness letter together and I've never hugged a student, but I was literally like, I, we, we hugged, we, we cried together. And what, what happened was he was able to, in that session, forgive himself and sort of release some of this pain that he, again, like me, I'd been, he'd been holding on to for a while. And I remember it clear as day. And it was, and I'll fast forward uh, a year, literally a year ago, February, I ran our biggest event in London, I had 50 people there. And uh, I asked Jamie to be a, part, a guest speaker. I know you do some work with speaking and uh, um, I introduced Jamie on, on, on the stage and I nearly broke down in tears. And he gave a talk about his story and the whole room was crying. It was, it was really emotional, but he was talking about how he's overcome his challenges. And now he's set up his own Instagram account called The Only Way Is Up. He's a great public speaker. Uh, he's sharing his message. He's going to school. 
which she wasn't doing before. And it, it came from me being there and just listening and asking great questions. And my mum and dad were at this event and I never wanted my parents to come to my events. This was the first one I invited them to. And my mum pulled me aside afterwards and she said, look, if the business fails tomorrow, then because of Jamie, it's been a success. And I was like, wow. And uh, he still does talks, my online events. And uh, he's an amazing friend. I saw him on Monday, went for a, a socially distanced walk uh, around Milton Keynes. You know, that, I, I stick to that story all the time. Like what I do has an impact. And what we do as teachers and educators has an impact. Like we don't even know the impact sometimes on that we have on young people. But when we listen, when we're present, when we ask great questions, like, you know, we can, we can have an impact on someone's life in that way. I was really then. I was like trying to hold it in. <laughs> and then um, do you think that your own personal journey of going through that pain yourself and kind of feeling that your whole future had been destroyed because of this disease, do you think that helps you understand some of the pain? And I know it's different pains for different people, but yeah, yeah. do you relate and do you tell your story to the kids? so that they can understand that you you are coming from a place of understanding? Actually, at that event, we have a load of teachers. It was called Empower Children to Thrive. A, a topic came up about being vulnerable with our students and how if I'd had my time again in the classroom, I would probably tell them the whole crone story and how emotional I was and how tough it was for me. Now, I told them bits and bobs of my story. And let's be honest, some teachers won't want to do that because it's it opens them up. Mm. But at the same time, we really spoke about the more vulnerable we are, especially in those first meetings with classes, which we all know are, are pretty kind of weird, those first lessons. It's like, I used to teach my year sevens how to stick in sheets properly, right? Like, you spend like half an hour on that because <laughs> it used to do my head in. Anyway. Um, stick, right? Just put the, put the lid on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, glues are like, you know, glues are more <laughs> like like gold dust in schools, obviously. Yeah, I'm always vulnerable. I always tell my story. I've, I think, well, you know that I'm never, I don't shy away from telling it how it is. And I think it's so important on social media as well to share how it is and be vulnerable because, you know, we've all got stuff that's going on. And I'm not saying like have like a pity party and everyone's saying, oh, woe is me. But if we can let people in a little bit, they kind of realise that it's okay for them to share and it's okay for them to open up and it's okay for them to be vulnerable themselves with those important people in their lives. And then, you know, students won't find themselves in such a low point, right? That they'll be on t- like stood on a bridge in Mount Kings, which is, you know, I'm so grateful that, I was able to work with him. Do you think part of social media is a problem? Because social media, we put up stuff when things things are going well. We create an illusion of everything's bright and colourful, everything's fine, everything's going great. And as a result, people are put off then um, opening up and being vulnerable because they think that everyone else is having a great life. So it's just me and I'm the issue and I'm the one that's feeling like that and no one else is. I don't know how long that story was, but social media now in the last five years has had such a big impact on people. And I'm pretty sure some of the suicide rates are linked to social media, bullying on social media, feeling like that people are being left out. So yeah. do you think that has an impact? And maybe what's your advice around social media? I've just thought now, I'm going to say something really bold, which I haven't really said before or thought about. Now, my business is basically on social media, right? I get clients and customers like I wouldn't have met really connected with you if we didn't have social, right? Or if, but I don't know, back in the days, what we've done, like taking each other's business cards and called up, like, you know, and I'm going to say something really, I would, I would sacrifice everything that I get on social media for my business for social media not to exist. You think it's that bad? I just wish we lived in a world without it. Massively hypocritical of me because I've just did an Instagram story before I came on the show. Yeah, you can say you're a hypocrite or whatever, but like... But we're utilising what's out there, Yeah, right? I know it's the world we live in, but I think, yeah. you know, I'm very good at it. Well, I try not to be on my phone. 
because it's just it's just not natural it's not the way to, to live it's not the way to human beings we're, we're more you know you've probably heard that quote we're more connected than ever but we're also more disconnected than ever you know that stuff i don't really watch the news but obviously big news stories people tell me about and i know that that stuff that happened in washington again i don't know the ins and outs but was lots of it was bred and created on through facebook and obviously there's so much good stuff on there but imagine a world where we didn't have it and we were just present with our communities and just being because we've lost that community feel we've lost that village feel we've lost the neighborly feel because people don't even know what who their neighbors are anymore but they'll know every tom dick and harry on social media or they think they know them but they don't know who their neighbors and who their communities are um and i and i sometimes think i'm, I'm born in the wrong era and i know things were different and life was hard if you look back a hundred years ago but people understood what community was they helped each other out they they were there to support each other and I, I sometimes feel we've lost that and when it when I come to meeting people like you where you're kind of making you're spreading your happiness and your positivity everywhere and like connecting people and I think that's what the world needs but it's so hard to do that when we're behind a screen sometimes or where we're forced to work in a certain way because of how the world is at the moment. Yeah, well, it, it makes people more divisive, doesn't it? Now, the argument is, again, like, you know, me and you use social media for the good. You've created this amazing group, UK educators, right? Like, that is using social media for the power of good. Mm. All I put out is good vibes and good energy. You know, my screen time is, what, just under four hours a day probably at the moment, right? Like, my which is like... Four hours of no screen time. <laughs> yeah, well, like... Uh, you know, and I, I'm sat here, and this is me being vulnerable and honest. I could say that, you know, I'm not on it, but I want to be vulnerable that, like, I wish it wasn't like that, but I'm addicted to my phone. And we all are to an extent, mm. I think. So my advice to social media is you've got to be the inspiration. Like, if you're a parent or a teacher, you've got to be the inspiration for that young person. So you might have seen that, that meme being shared of the dad reading, it's on an American subway, I think he's reading a book and all his kids are reading books. That kind of inspiration, right? You're going to build that in. But yeah, I think I think embedding detoxes, embedding time away. Some of my friends kind of slate me a bit for saying, I'm doing a social media or a phone detox. Like, why do I need to tell people that? But I tell people because I want them to think, well, maybe if I spent 36 hours away from my phone, what would be the benefits? And I see so many benefits when I do that on my weekend. And it's social acceptance, right? If you're saying I'm doing this, people are like, oh, that's okay to do then. And sometimes people don't think things are okay to do. They're like, oh, but what are people going to think if I'm not on social media? They're going to think I've fallen off the face of the planet. Uh, they're not going to be able to contact me. Uh, the world still keeps ticking. And I think <laughs> what was a really nice blessing for me last year, this time last year, I had my phone stolen. And I had a week without a phone before my new one arrived and I got my phone number in and all the rest of it. And at first I was panicking. I was like, I'm going to be so disconnected. Da, da, da. And then I was like, I was like, actually, this is good. There's no work. I wasn't due to start work until the middle of January. So I was like, work's not going to distract me. I don't need to look at it right now. I don't need to be on social media right now. And I had a week away from everything on my phone and it was so nice. <laughs> I don't yeah, think it's, it's a game changer. Yeah, you know, it is. And I'm just more present. I'm more like myself. I'm more happy. I'm more content. But it's what we live in. And, you know, I think we, as long as we can keep using it for the power of good and also recognizing it's just that awareness, right? Like I said, the awareness is I'm on my phone a bit too much. The action I take, go on a detox, put it away. And then the accountability is maybe posting that you're doing this and or speak to a partner or a family member that you're doing this and, and get your accountability that way, whatever you need to do. But yeah, just be mindful. And I think if you are mindful of it, you're halfway there. When you're not mindful and you just on it all the time that's when it's 
toxic do you find that you're talking to kids about social media when it comes to mental health not really i think it's, everyone knows and i've been asked that question lots i think it's, it's it's an obvious yes that social media has a massive impact on mental health again it can be used for good like students finding out strategies to cope and you know talking to people like me and you and and that stuff but you know it's the it's the comparison it's the this is what a perfect body lifestyle home job like and it looks like uh, when they don't see all the all the pain or the heartache, and I think if you are a teacher as well, if you are a parent, sharing that in the right way, so like I'm feeling like sad or down or a failure, and, and this is why, but this is also how I'm going to get over it, is really cool as well. So I think you've got to be the inspiration. You've got to be the person that that young person wants you to be. Have you worked with people that are feeling emotionally drained, that are continuously crying? And I think this is going to apply to some people during lockdown at the moment, where they are just not in a good place where they they feel like they can't get out of it whatever the struggles are and they constantly find themselves in tears what kind of advice would you give in terms of what steps can they take to kind of because when we were talking about this with James when you when you've got that good positive mindset you are on a roll like things go well one thing goes well another thing goes well because you're thinking positively so you're more likely to focus on that positive so you're like oh this is going well this is going well but when you are on a downer that cycle of everything going badly seems to kind of clog your brain and you can't see anything positive and then you feel like that cycle of not being able to come out of that it just amplifies isn't it so how do you get out of that cycle from your perspective what can people do to kind of get out of that yeah it's a great one we i I was coaching a student on this yesterday how like when he feels positive he looks in the mirror and he sees like a really like kind of kind of good looking like nice guy but when when he's feeling negative he he calls himself like ugly and it's like self-deprecating so much it's like when we're positive we're self-compassionate he's me give myself a hug and when we're (laughs) negative it's like metaphorically punching ourselves in the face i think the big thing to realize and i know many people know this but the appreciation that like that is obviously life and when we're really positive or in a a good place we have to understand that it's not going to last ever which i know is a bit rubbish but also when we're in a low place to understand that that is not that's going to pass as well like just like it's a grim day here in the uk right it's like gray and cold and and miserable and and we have to realize that just like the seasons just like you know the leaves changing and all this stuff like things will pass and it's a natural cycle of change but things that could help you i wrote actually down a three-step anxiety buster because i moved to cambridge in lockdown new city living with a girl for the first time I know it's scary. Uh, and my business was all over the shot, like in terms of consistency. Again, I got, I didn't want to get out of bed. I was like frozen. And what helped me was literally achieving three things each day. So that could be like brushing my teeth, making the bed, having breakfast, like that basic, but getting myself moving forward, getting out in nature as much as possible. So going on those walks, appreciating, like looking at green stuff, right, is gold like go and look at green stuff when you're feeling sad it's gonna make you feel better and the last thing was just obviously taking well not obviously but taking some mindful breaths and really connecting with my breathing and and the present moment and that was kind of how i slowly and also appreciate it's going to take time we're in a society where like when we're brought up that positivity is good and we should be positive but if we're feeling sad then we have to go and grieve or cry alone and we shouldn't show that emotion and i think we get tricked into thinking that if we're not positive all the time then something is wrong with us and we should beat ourselves up when if we think and appreciate that it's just the natural run of life and how it happens, then you kind of an appreciation that it's going to pass. Things will be okay. I like that. I like that way of thinking that it's a cycle that's going to change. And yeah, I think everyone goes through those patches. I have days where I just cry. 
because I just need to cry, right? Crying is good. It's therapeutic. What about meditation? Do you do you do meditation? Do you think it helps? Do you think it depends on the person? What's your take on meditation? It's been unbelievable for my life. So when I was, re- again, when I was going through those, those early stages of like, coaching and I joined a, a meditation group in Milton Keynes, which is run by a, a Buddhist center. So it's really Buddhist orientated but i went there every tuesday for months and uh it really helped me so we did like a 45 minute big meditation then a tea break and then loads of buddhist teaching uh which i I love so so much and if i'm honest i I have i've really fallen off pace with it and i think i don't know why i know it helps me like physical exercise is ingrained in me i do it every day without fail whatever how i'm feeling but i think meditation is something i have to sort of work on a little bit more but it has helped me so so much and you don't have to go to a buddhist meditation center like get calm on your phone calm's amazing they do 10 minute daily meditations with a bit of personal development. So the other day I had one, it was like obviously breathing or body scan or whatever. And then at the end, it has something on like a Japanese philosophy around not sweating the small stuff, you know, not, not getting annoyed with that person cutting us up in traffic or, or dropping that thing or, or, you know, like, and that was a really nice, nice message. It's like an intention to go through the day. So yeah, it's, it's helped me so much in my life. I love it. And I think actually, as I get older, it's something I want to do more of and mm. like, go on these retreats and silent meditations for a week. And you're I definitely want to do old, that. Sam, you're getting old if you're thinking like I'm 30, that. I'm 30 on Wednesday, Sid. I've tried meditation with, I've done it myself, but I've done it with kids as well. I, when we used to do full day classes and over lunchtime, they'd have their food and then they'd start messing about because we had a long lunch and then they'd start running and chasing each other and, and, and just being silly, trying to get out the energy. And I like things controlled. <laughs> if we're going to do something, it's controlled play, controlled experiments, controlled stuff. So we did meditation. We would do 15 minutes of meditation and the calm, like, it was just silence, the calmness. And at first they'd be like laughing. And I'm like, okay, if you're going to laugh, you're going to start again. The timer stops again. until we <laughs> Classic then, teacher. And then they close their eyes and they get all involved and, it was so nice that so you could see them calm down. And then when we start the activities again, they're a lot more calmer. So I think it even helps kids just to, and I think if parents are listening at home, get your kids to do meditation at home if they're running around the house and things. But I think it's a nice way to relax. And for me personally, it helped a lot when I had panic attacks last year, not, not 2020, but 2019. I suffered from panic attacks and it took about six months with meditation to kind of get my breathing under control but it really helped and I don't know why I stopped going <laughs> no I know why it got to the winter and it got cold and I was like I don't want to go out now <laughs> yeah I mean it doesn't have to be even like if you're you know if you're a mum or, or a parent sorry watching this or, or a teacher it doesn't have to be like meditation even sat down it could just be like thinking about your senses and what you notice mm-hmm. it could be taking just uh, a mindful breath and that excuse me in that moment it doesn't have to be like you know, sat down eyes closed. You can do it on walks. You can do it in different ways. But I think helping your children to be more mindful and present is, you know, is a great parenting skill that you can give to that young person. Brilliant. So if people are listening here and they want to reach out to you and find out more about what you do and um, want to take part, because I think you do courses for educators as well, right? Yeah. So if you're a teacher or an educator or just an amazing human being and you're watching this and you're like, wow, coaching sounds great. How can I get involved? We, I run a coach breakthrough training course, which is super flexible and you get live practice sessions. So it's a, it's a whole six month program. Great six month course. You learn how to coach students, which is fantastic. Like amazing work. It'll upskill you as a person, as a professional in, in every area of your life. But also you get marketing and sales modules with that. So you can learn these transformational skills. 
and start creating income and having more freedom so you can leave the classroom if you want to one day. Like this is what I'm about. It's not just about showing you how to coach. I want to make a lasting impact for your life and for, and for the students. So that's the Coach Breakthrough course. If you're interested, check out studentbreakthrough.com or send me a message on LinkedIn or Instagram, which is on Facebook, which is Student Breakthrough. And if you're a parent or a teacher, we like I've mentioned before, we do one-on-one student coaching, which helps over a thousand students across the world. And we run talks and events for parents and teachers. So get involved. There's loads of stuff, but do connect with the mission. Like my aim is to revolutionize the emotional support for young people in schools. And I love that you're actually training up other teachers to do it as well. Because I, I know both, both you and I, we want to make the maximum impact that we possibly can. And we can't do it alone. We need an army of ambassadors that kind of do it for us as well. <laughs> yeah, you're still a soldier, Sam. <laughs> you're just in a different way. <laughs> yeah, no, I am. Yeah, and that's the thing. Looking back, you know, Crohn's disease has been a massive blessing on my life. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be here with you. I wouldn't student breakthrough. I wouldn't be a teacher. You know, and this is. I know my dad's more proud of me than he ever would be me being a soldier. Because... Changing lives, like you saved that kid's life. You're changing people's futures by having the impact that you are, and you're becoming a role model for them because that student that you were talking about, he's gone on to become a keynote speaker and to. Do yeah, yeah, yeah. Things. It's amazing. You have to watch him speak. You should get him on the show. He's amazing. I'll use give me his contact details. Put us in touch. I'll get him in. And I think it would be lovely to hear from a student perspective. I've had lots of educators and people in business, but we haven't had a, a student perspective, how he's gone through that journey of being inspired and then now he's doing his own thing. Yeah, he'd be great, actually. Definitely get him on here. It'd be awesome. He'll really love that as well. Brilliant. Cool. You want to just repeat, Thank you so much. Repeat the top three tips before we go. What were they top, again? Top three tips. Uh, if you're an educator, I want to help students listen with your heart mm-hmm. bit hard with ears and listen to understand second thing is ask great powerful questions that start with what how and why to help the student have their own insight and the last thing don't just share your advice ask them what is your what is an action step that you can take to move yourself forward i hope you guys enjoyed listening to our conversation and took lots of value from it for your business Now, if you did, please remember to do me a huge favor and rate and review on your podcast app. And if you don't want to miss another episode, please remember to subscribe. Now, if you missed anything or you want to find out what's coming up next, remember to go to ukeducators.com forward slash podcast, where there's lots of information about the guests upcoming and those that we've already had. I'm Sid. You've been listening into the UK Educators Community Podcast and I'll see you next Sunday when we release a new episode.